1: Welcome to the Tuesday edition of WorldWire NFL uh, Fantasy Sports. It's Joe Bartle and Jake Latarsky along with you again to uh, take you through the lead up, really, the lead up to the uh, NFL season and your fantasy draft season. Of course, when it is, when the season's going on, we are doing your free agent breakdowns, getting you all set throughout the week. But as we're kind of maneuvering to fantasy football season, really, truly fantasy football season, and the start of the preseason NFL season, we're doing more of the tips and tricks. I think this is the the best way I'd say it is if my mom was going to play fantasy football, I'd want her to listen to this podcast because it's a really good way to get any data and get yourself ready for it. And maybe if you haven't paid attention or slacking a little bit, that's what myself and Jake are here uh, to do for you. So I'm excited to have this uh, podcast and we'll be going over a few of the do's and don'ts in particular for your fantasy drafts. And again, maybe more basic knowledge, but we're, we're here to help the new people out. I think that's our goal, right, Jake?
2: Exactly. You know, I want to get a little bit of the best of both worlds. So We're going to start off with some training camp, news and notes, important stuff that, yeah, you know, you need to know if you missed the last couple afternoons of action. And then, yeah, we'll move into some draft day do's and don'ts. Uh, some of the tips are pretty basic. Some of them I tried to put a little more analytics behind to make you think a little bit more. Some are a little unique to this year. Some have to do with different products and uh, services that are out there. And uh, hopefully, we give you a full picture to uh, help get you ready for draft. And like I tweeted earlier, that's the draft kit tour continues, right? So if you've got any, you know, basics or anything, we might we might dive into some rankings a little bit as we get closer to the start of the season. Maybe recap some preseason games, that kind of thing, uh, transactions, all news and notes and stuff as it goes. But uh, for now, hopefully, we just get you some some general knowledge, a good base
3: to get you going for your draft.
1: Well, this is the Rural NFL Podcast, and of course, it's brought to you by WinBet. You know, if there's one thing that we appreciate here, Roadwire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decisions. So listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotoir's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sports app or sports book app, I should say. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotoir's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more right at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? I'm not sure if you do, but hey, if you do, head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand up a uh, Baraki. So WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, uh, well, six states, I should say, uh, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all roto listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 On your first page, uh, on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W Y N N B E T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Great. Well, you talked about at the top of the uh, show, we have a little bit of news that's breaking. And in fact, it's been a good. What, past seven days now for Wisconsin sports in general? This last time we were doing the podcast, we ended with Go Bucks. Of course, they won in in Game 6. And while this is not an NBA podcast, let me just say I'm very proud of my franchise, very proud of my fandom. And here we are now this Tuesday, and we get to be excited about another Wisconsin sports thing because Aaron Rodgers is back at training camp.
2: I have to believe, you know, and I'm going to go on a mini rant here right off the bat. Um, This is kind of what happens in the day and age when we have to manufacture news and we have to make up news out of a couple indications or a couple things. Now, everybody in Wisconsin has seen the Dan Patrick interview with Adam Schefter because, you know, if we backtrack a little bit, Schefter back on draft day decided he was going to report. That Rodgers was upset and wanted out of Green Bay. Didn't want to play for Green Bay this next season. Of course, he looked like a huge hack after that whole thing. Now, I don't know if the network forced him to go ahead and make some news before draft day. Or if this is what he felt was appropriate and he needed to do. But, like, when he's interviewed by Dan Patrick and Dan Patrick asked him the specifics of, of you know, where did you get this? What's making you report this? He was very skittish. And he did not have great answers, so I would go ahead. I, I, I'd bet Schefter hasn't gone back on there since then, but uh, I'd go ahead and look at that if you kind of needed uh, something, at least that, as a Wisconsin sports and a Packer fan, you know, longtime season ticket holder, that's what made me think, okay, maybe there's some not truth to this. Now, then we come back, we fast forward to, you know, we're camp starting, of course, this week. We have got, you know, the Ian Rappaport, the other side coming out that says Rodgers indicated to people close to him that he does plan <laughs> to play for green. Can I,
1: like can I pause you for a second? Yeah, I saw this on I saw this on Reddit, and, and, and kudos to whoever said it. The indicate as opposed to just, like, telling somebody that this is what he feels like. The, the wording is so dumb. Like, the Reddit user is like, I'm just picturing Aaron Rodgers holding a Packers jersey and, like, staring deep into his gardener's eyes and just pointing. He's like, it's, it's the implication. He's, he's indicating.
2: <laughs> he's not just telling them. Yeah, but then we're starting to get other different rumors. Now, again, you know, if I'm going to take, you know, rip on one reporter that reports what I like and one that I does that that's reporting what I don't like, I want to try to be a little bit balanced here. Um, but there's been the reports of a re- reworked deal also in place here that could keep him around for a few more years. And, uh, I mean, this obviously has huge fantasy implications. It goes down the entire list of Packers players. So, I mean, Rodgers right now, and, of course, the Packers' corresponding weapons, they've been falling in ADP in, in early drafts here, and uh, it's definitely reflected that. I mean, in the NFFC, Rodgers is 74 overall. It's probably better to look at him as QB9 um, because of the quarterback heavy You know, scoring in that type type of format and quarterback nine is historically an early eighth round draft pick. You know, if you look at the last few years of uh, of ADP, so um, that I expect to see on the rise here pretty soon. Uh, Aaron Jones was 13 overall RB 10. I would not be surprised at all if the last couple weeks before the regular season he sneaks into the first round. Yes, there's the uh, there's the AJ Dillon concern, but remember Jamal Williams is out of town. He wasn't going to be you know, a 25-carry game guy anyway necessarily, especially helpful in PPR leagues. And then Devontae Adams. He's another one that creeps into the first round. Number 12 overall, he's wide receiver, 2 in ADP. So there's actually not that much to gain, but I think he would have arguably been the consensus uh, top wide receiver on the board if we were going in this whole offseason comfortable with Aaron Rodgers and what he was going to do. So, of course, everybody's on the rise with how he showed up, a reworked deal in place. And then, of course, you got to address the rumors. I think Trey, Trey Wingo kind of stirred that up a little bit with the with the Randall Cobb report. Uh, apparently, the Packers might be trying to trade for Randall Cobb, and of course, Cobb and that's Cobb started his career with Green Bay. He's buddies with Rodgers; those guys have uh, those guys have been tight. You know, going to the Kentucky Derby together. If you see him on Instagram, they're doing their thing. Cobb's salary is going to make that deal difficult. He's currently set to be like an eight and a half million dollar cap hit, and the Packers don't necessarily have that kind of room. I think that's part of the reason that, you know, some of the factors that started this whole thing in the first place were, you know, you know, Packer brass, instead of going to Rogers and saying, Hey, we want to make you the highest quarterback and paid quarterback in the league by a mile. They went to him the off season said, Hey, um, can we maybe restructure a little bit and save some cap room? And, you know, allegedly that was one of the many, many things that, uh, that rubbed him the wrong way a little bit, but it looks like we're much, much closer to having this relationship being uh, being repaired. And sorry to the rest of the NFC North because uh, you're not going to be making the playoffs. if it is.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. I feel like 70% of the intrigue that has been spun by all the uh, stories, Schefter being one of them, there's been other people have been leaking, leaking information, right? Uh, I feel like 70% of that information has been gobbled up specifically by Vikings, Lions, and Bears fans exclu- exclusively. Like I, Maybe the Broncos fans really care about this too because they seem to be the ones closest to possibly trading for Aaron Rodgers. But I don't know. I, I feel like there's some jealousy happening from the NFC North when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. I'm all for it because uh, it certainly seems like he's coming back for at least this year. There was two points that I wanted to discuss. And, and first, it's weird that Trey Wingo is the one leaking the Randall Cobb thing, right? Like what what affiliation does Trey Wingo have at all with Aaron Rodgers, You were dunking on Adam Schefter and rightfully so for his lack of reporting correctly. It feels like in this instance, couldn't we say the same thing for Trey, Trey Wingo, who we have really no reason to believe he has a connection with Rodgers?
2: Well, the only reason I bring that up is because there were reports that came out later that actually corroborated that we've got Tom Pelissero of NFL network here. Uh, As of, you know, this afternoon, the Packers are working on a trade to, to acquire Cobb from the Texans. And of course there's so many complications going on with this. Um, but at least it was you know, corroborated later by other legitimate reporters. I just kind of got to mention him because he was one of the first guys uh, that I saw that I saw that was uh, mentioning that. So uh, it's pretty crazy um, that, uh, that that's going on and, and that, that we're continuing to do this. But again, it all go, goes back to the daily 24-hour news cycle. You yeah. Know, the great shows and NFL Live, they need something to put on their lead. And if you lead your show in with Aaron Rodgers and make it seem like something new is actually happening with him, uh, People are going to stay tuned in longer because that's what Aaron Rodgers does. So um, I'm glad I could get this off uh, off my chest on the air a little <laughs> bit. Um, sorry, but not sorry to anybody I ripped on in that last rant. And uh, hopefully we can move on with this with uh, Rodgers.
1: Well, the other thing I was going to say do we do we have a finalized reworking of the contract? I think we have a lot of ideas and things that supposedly could be in there. But from what I can tell, nobody has actually said, this is what this contract will look like. I've heard 2023 is a voidable year, which is fine, because at, at at least the when they took Jordan Love, the expectation has always been if you're going to move Rodgers, it would be the following year when the dead cap penalties would be less than they were. So to me, nothing has really changed. This was more of a way to make uh, it seemed like Aaron Rodgers had won when in reality he had zero leverage and didn't parlay to, into much else, except maybe more team control if it means acquiring Randall Cobb and others.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, I, I don't have the exact numbers right now. Some have been floated around uh, of course, naturally, but um, yeah, it seems like they're going to get him. Yeah. It's 2022 and 2023. Um, and yeah, he just wants a significant say over his future and, and that's something big. So uh so, you know, good for him. He can at least come out seeming like he won, and uh, and then both sides can move forward with uh, something advantageous.
1: Cool. All right. So other news that happened, at least yesterday, we now officially see Michael Thomas will be out, uh, was placed on the PUP list. We're anticipating until at least September. I know the Aaron Rodgers situation has everyone hot and heavy about uh, following that and the mismanagement from the organization's perspective. But the way Michael Thomas has handled his injury and the fact that he's now just getting surgery when it was something that happened, I think, uh, in their playoff game or around then is an interest or a couple weeks before that point is interesting to say the least. And I think speaks more to the saints front office or the way they're managing things in a negative light uh, with Michael Thomas out for a couple of weeks at minimum. That's a big deal.
2: Yeah. It seems like he'll probably miss most of the preseason and be looking at maybe week one here. Uh, It's interesting to me because early on in draft season and early best balls, I was pretty high on Michael Thomas as as a wide receiver 10. You know, I like him better, I don't know, assuming Jameis wins the job, of course, he's probably a little bit better with Jameis here. But now, I'm a little worried because a few things happened. They signed Chris Hogan to add to their wide receiver depth here. And uh, man, there's just not a whole lot else on that team as far as pass catching options here. You could easily see Alvin Kamara's value extending, continuing to trend upward because of this. He might probably be the biggest beneficiary if uh, Michael Thomas ends up missing a week or two. And yes, for the reasons you said, I'm also a little bit worried on Michael Thomas, especially a wide receiver 10. Will I start drafting Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, CeeDee Lamb, Mike Evans ahead of him? I guess I'm not quite ready to do that yet, but, you know, I'm starting to think more about it, I guess you could say.
1: When the report first came out, it was something like six to eight weeks, which was putting him at uh, maybe weeks five or six or seven. So I had moved him in my rankings, which again are going to be in Yahoo either now or they're going to be soon throughout the rest of the season. I had moved him down to somewhere in the seventy-two or to seventy-five range. I don't have a pulled up right now, and I'm man, I was thinking, man, this is this is like wild. This is this is pretty darn low. Um, I think guys in that same range were like Jamar Chase um, and. Oh man, there, there's a couple of Mike Williams. I think Mike Williams is lower and it's like, well, no, no brainer. If, if it's the Michael Thomas that we've seen with Drew Brees, that's a complete value, but that's the other part of this complication that we don't really know. It sounds like, and I'm I've seen a few reports that, uh, Taysom Hill might be your starting quarterback for the Saints at least to begin the season and if that's the case I'm not really feeling confident about Michael Thomas at all I know Thomas did great against the Falcons of all teams last year when Taysom Hill was the starting quarterback but that was really one game and I I think when it comes to talented throwers Jameis Winston makes far more sense so if it is uh, Taysom Hill starting that's now two things I'm worried about when it comes to Michael Thomas's value as wide receiver 10 like you mentioned
2: yeah, and now both of those news items make me think. Okay, let's move Alvin Kamara up the rankings. But I just double checked to be sure he's number three overall in, in ADP for PPR leagues behind McCaffrey and Cook. You really can't move him up that much more. Um, you know, maybe you can move him up a little bit in uh, in non PPR leagues just because of the pure pure volume. But uh, I would be comfortable drafting him three overall in just about any kind of format. I guess that's as bold as I'll go with that.
1: Yeah, uh, Elvin Kamara, not, not Michael Thomas, right?
2: Yeah, Elvin Kamara. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to get at. It's like all this this Thomas news, maybe it's going to be Hill, Th- no Thomas for early on. Like All this news Like on paper makes you think, okay, I need to draft Elvin Camara more, and uh, there's just not a whole lot of room for his ADP to grow, I guess.
1: Fair enough. Uh, also, Amari Cooper was placed on the PUP list, although it sounds like he's going to be closer to a mid-August return. He should be ready. Yeah. For the start of the season, which is great because my dynasty team is led by two wide receivers, Michael Thomas and Amari Cooper. Uh, not the one that we are, in a different one. It's just it's just an interesting situation to see some of these up rush line guys kind of get worked back into shape, um, more or less. I guess in the case of Michael Thomas, he is having surgery. I don't know. What's your take on Amari Cooper? There's CeeDee Lamb. People love Michael Gallup as well, too. Dak Prescott's back. Ezekiel Elliott looks better than ever. Uh, and I've heard that repeatedly because I already have a Culver's board bet down on the J.K. Dobbins out uh Ezekiel Elliott. So uh, there's there's a lot to talk about with the Dallas offense, and I think Amari Cooper being out for even an extended period of the regular season, which is not the case now, but you know how these injuries tend to be. It's It's an interesting dilemma.
2: Yeah, I believe where things are at right now with his return date, at least on RotoWire, and it might have even been Jerry Jones. I think they're optimistic they can get him in one preseason game. So I think, you know, as if we push pause today, July 27th, um, Cooper would be back before Thomas. So, you know, at ADP 41 overall, uh, or 42 overall, excuse me, that doesn't really change uh, my view there a little bit. Now, when I start to get in the Amari Cooper, Julio Jones debate, that starts to become difficult for me. Amari Cooper, Robert Woods. Man, I really got to sort these things out because I I don't think that we should discount Cooper too much.
1: That's fair. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Marlon Mack. He is a full participant at training camp for the Colts. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is your stud guy, mid-first-round pick at the moment with his ADP. But Marlon Mack was the starter. I feel like few people remember that. To begin last year. And of course he had the Achilles, or yeah, it was the yeah, uh, uh, the ACL or the Achilles injury. I keep going over the two. He had the Achilles injury, put him down for the season. It was really only towards the latter part of the year when Jonathan Taylor really took over the reins from Naheem Hines and uh, Jordan Wilkins. But here we are now, Marlon Mack is back. He is on the contract year. The Colts were able to resign him pretty cheaply. I don't know. I don't think it's crazy at all to say Marlon Mack will be a contributor in some facet for this Colts offense, and I think his role directly comes at the expense of Jonathan Taylor. Not that I want to have Jonathan Taylor lower, but now Marlon Mack being confirmed for training camp and practicing and participating, that makes a difference, I think, as much for Marlon Mack as it is for Jonathan Taylor's fantasy value.
2: Yeah, I think personally, uh, you know, on my big board, because of the news that we just discussed, I'm probably bumping Kamara ahead of Jonathan Taylor, maybe even in non PPR, but Jonathan Taylor is still a first round pick. This is a team that's, I would guess, if you had to predict some of the most run heavy teams, like right up there with Minnesota, I think the Colts will be there. So, uh, I mean, how do you think the Colts are going to do this season? If they're going to be a winning team, absolutely. Jonathan Taylor will stay, will stay in the upper echelon of backs here. Um, but if they're, I don't know, in my eyes, I see Marlon Taylor is the pass catcher, but I think they both catch a little bit of passes uh, a little bit. So that'll uh, kind of, you know, just to set that misconception maybe straight but uh yeah i mean marlon taylor will get his touches but he won't take away from or i'm sorry marlon mack will get his touches but he won't take away from jonathan taylor any more than like jamal williams took away from aaron jones or i expect aj Dillon to take away from aaron jones this year i guess set it bring it all back to the packers and try to do an analogy there (laughs) but uh, i know i'm not that worried and i'll still use a first round pick Uh, with a lot of confidence.
1: I guess I'll say, I don't feel great about taking Aaron Jones in the first round. So if you are comparing those two, if you are saying Marlon Mack could have as big of a difference as AJ Dillon or Jamal Williams did last year, that does have me concerned. And we'll probably have Taylor who is, I think my running back five or overall six, something in that range, probably more to that 10, 11, 12 back into the first round type of deal. However, the Colts, like to lean on at least one guy. like If it is Jonathan Taylor as the hot hand, and it certainly was towards the end of last season, they're going to use him pretty successfully, and I think often, whereas the Packers' offense is a little bit different. They almost feel like they have to give Aaron Jones a certain amount of breaks or reps off, and I don't think that Colts' offense does the same thing. Will Marlon Mack be a factor? Yes. But I think of Marlon Mack more as a pretty good backup, right? We can't say the H-word. You've talked about that a couple times now. Uh, I think Marlon Mack makes more sense as an Alexander Madison type, a Tony Pollard type, that if Jonathan Taylor were to go down, then you're going to see Marlon Mack have significantly more usage.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you.
1: Uh, Daryl Henderson now, a possible three-down back, which is Interesting, because when reports came out that Cam Akers would be done for the season, everyone's like, all right, go ahead, sign Le'Veon Bell, go ahead and have a Todd Gurley Rams reunion. Uh, Maybe they'll go ahead and trade for James Robinson. Oh, wait, hold on, pump the brakes. It looks like Henderson could be possibly in the three-down mix, and I think that's great right now for his current ADP, which I think rests in that 7-10 to range. But we talked about this last week. That's a situation where if he moves all the way up to rounds four, five, six, I'm out. What do you think about his possible three-down workload, though?
2: Yeah, so I just ran the numbers here, um, and if you take ADP all the way back from February until now, from after the Super Bowl until now, Henderson was at 126. If you take ADP over the last seven days alone, Henderson is up at 54 that's a little bit aggressive for me because I still think that they signed someone. This could probably just be coach speak to give him maybe more leverage in trade talks to make it be like, well, we don't really need this extra guy, so we can really only give you a six-round pick for him, uh, that kind of thing. I'm not changing him uh, a little bit in this news. And if anything, I think the market's maybe overreacted a little bit here because you're going to see some combination of, of other guys in this offense.
1: This is putting you on the spot, but do you have the running backs around that range that you would be debating between Henderson or X player, uh, or even wide receivers at that point, too? You said ADP 54 over the last seven days, so I'm thinking mid-fourth, fifth round.
2: Yeah, so the three players ahead of him at ADP 54 are Javante Williams, Tyler Lockett, and Adam Thielen. The three players below below him at 54 are Kyle Pitts, Miles Gaskin. Jamar Chase, Kareem Hunt, T. Higgins, Mike Davis. I don't know. I think Mike Davis might have a better uh, a better grasp on that, even with the injury and stuff. I think Mike Davis clearly the Falcons added him and very little else. So I guess you know if you had it, you know, you you put me on the spot for someone six apart, I still might lean towards Mike Davis and let the market overreact on Henderson. Well, see,
1: you you mentioned Mike Davis. I actually like Miles Gaskin. Way more. I'd take Miles Gaskin over Javante Williams. The Javante Williams hype is too much, and I know Mario Puig has been all over this, and he's been talking about it on the Thursday shows. If you've been listening to the RotoWire NFL podcast throughout the offseason, you know that most of the smartest people here at the office and here at HQ don't care for Javante Williams. I among that. I am among that group, not the smart ones, but the ones saying, "Hey, Javante Williams way too high right now, especially with Melvin Gordon around." I love Miles Gaskin, though. I think you look at the war like. The language coming out of Miami, it seems like a foregone conclusion that he is going to be the workhorse starter. And I don't know if that really means, especially if Tua takes that step that the Dolphins need him to. Maybe they're going to be a little bit more pass-heavy. But I think Gaskin can be a pass-catcher, and he can be a runner, and I think that makes a huge difference. I would much rather have him over Javante – and over Henderson, and I think over Mike Davis, too. But that, that's a different conversation. We can get to our actual rankings maybe in a different podcast. Moving through the rest of the news, um, no, not surprisingly, Najee Harris has been listed atop the Steelers depth chart. Uh, that was about as much of a layup as anything throughout the offseason, especially when the Steelers invest a first-round pick into him. I've, I've seen him go as high as, I think, 10, like pick 10 overall in standard leagues. But I guess it depends. Like if you if you're thinking PPR, most people playing uh, points per reception league this year, maybe that's a little bit lower. I have to imagine he's gonna be more of a pass catcher in that Steelers offense too, though. So it can go either way. What's what's your value on Najee Harris?
2: Yeah, I, I mean it's pretty much late first round in standard, maybe a little after in PPR. I don't uh, I don't really have any strong feelings uh, with you know with him necessarily. It's great he went to the perfect spot, obviously. To get all the reps here, I don't see him being threatened by Benny Snell or Anthony McFarland or Jalen Samuels or Kalen Bullock or any of those, any <laughs> those uh, annoying fantasy names that you know we've been forced to talk about on our waiver wire podcast over the years here. But I think this team is going to be. I, I, I think Big Ben's got one year left, well, at least one good year left. The weapons are definitely there. Of course, Juju sticking around. Um, I think the offense is going to be great, and there's going to be plenty of goal line opportunities for him to go ahead and get his. So I think he's priced appropriately, uh, as in late first round standard and mid second round PPR.
1: Okay. That's kind of where I'm at too. I think you talked about Aaron Jones is a late first round guy. I would rather have Najee Harris over him, but I'll take Deandre Swift and Dobbins over both those guys. And I think both are going after at the moment. I'd have to check the current ADPs. And you know, as more of these podcasts start up from other competitors, or maybe they're just listening to our beautiful voices and saying, "Oh wow, Jake and Joe know talking about." They're gonna you're going to see some of these guys get pushed up I higher. Uh, I up. I, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if if it ends up being a situation where um, Dobbins and Swift fall lower, and even an Edwards-Hilaire, right, too, the, the same type of uh, draft class last year. Uh, and you could have a Harris and Aaron Jones at the back end of the first round. I wouldn't be surprised at the end of August for having that conversation, too. So we'll get back to the news that actually occurred today. Odell
0: Beckham, uh, Logan Thomas signing right after a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data All right, so
1: Odell Beckham, he is not on the PUP list. That's fantastic news. Unlike the Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas stuff, uh, Odell missed most of last season and and really has had a disappointing tenure with the Browns. But when I look at a guy like Baker Mayfield in particular, I think Baker has a chance to jump higher than his current ADP, which is around quarterback 12 to 14. It really depends. They're all pretty close to each other. Uh, What do you think about this Odell news? And then what do you think really about what could Baker Mayfield's best-case scenario look like if Odell is healthy?
2: Now, normally, you know, you'll you'll see a lot of those don't draft. This is my don't draft list pod or avoid some or avoid these players at all costs. And a lot of people, uh, you know, Odell Beckham's been a popular guy to uh, pick on with those lists lately. I, I, we'll always say on our podcast that there is a price that will pay for everyone. And if I end up getting Odell Beckham in the fifth or sixth round, I can probably, maybe the sixth round. If I can get him in the sixth round, I can definitely live with that. And uh, I just think that. This Cleveland team, on paper, is set to be a winner. They've got all the pieces on both sides of the balls, on both sides of the ball, and uh, you know if Baker Mayfield continues on their trajectory, and they can somehow stay healthy. Obviously, that's a big if. Uh, this could be one of the few times in Odell Beckham's career he is on a winning team, and I think if you get him on a winning team, he'll stay focused. He'll. He's more likely to you know, not sit out of practice because of minor bumps and bruises are going to be out there with his teammates. He keeps his head in the game. I mean, he's, there's all these X factor things with Odell Beckham where you got the flash and the panache and all this stuff. Um, but I think putting him on a winner uh, could actually lead to one of the more successful seasons of his career. Now he is, uh, he's only 28 too. People think he's been around longer than that. He came in young in the league. He's got to come off that knee injury, but the knee injury isn't going to affect the great hands that he has, and he can show he has, and uh, it could very well be a, a good year for him. So, yeah, I'll uh, I'll play with it. I'll, you know, I'll toy with the idea of taking him in the sixth round this year, uh, especially if the receiver position is, is set and he's the best guy available.
1: I'm right there with you. Um, I- I'm not opposed to drafting Odell Beckham, and, again, I think – the upside scenario for Baker Mayfield directly works with Odell Beckham, and I, I don't think the price is too high. In fact, if you really wanted to stack that Browns offense, I think I saw on Twitter Jerry Donabedian, who does a lot of great work for us, is going to be putting together like stack-specific articles, articles, or maybe it's it's Mario, like, what would it take to stack the Chiefs offense? What would it take to stack the Browns offense, for example, or the Titans, or something like that? Um, I would be really interested because I don't think the Browns offense really acquires that much. It's like a mid first round pick for Nick Chubb feels like the hardest part. And then you're able to maneuver around uh, to get cream hunt or any of the, any of the wide receivers, the pass catchers for that team. I'd be interested. And I think that stack could work because you're right. They are going to be competitive this year. That division doesn't look as great because I know you said Ben Roethlisberger maybe has one more year I'm right there with you but I think we're talking like this has to be the last year that defense might not be as good the Ravens might not be as good defensively too uh and their schedule is is not great but it's not super difficult either it's somewhere in between so I kind of like the the Browns as a team that could be among the final four or final eight um at least be able to build off of what they did last year. I think that's kind of a fair statement to make. Logan Thomas, the tight end for the Washington football team, signed a three-year extension coming right off his breakout season. Of course, he was a former quarterback turned tight end, so it's an impressive deal for Logan Thomas. I'm worried that the workload almost has to be less than we saw last season because Washington has so many more pass catchers and more weapons than they ever did before, and it's not like Ryan Fitzpatrick really uses his tight ends all that much. Um, Mike Kosicki was... I think a a pretty, like, I mean, he was so uh, high variance last season, but I felt like most of his big games came when two was at quarterback. So I'm a little bit worried about Logan Thomas overall. I'm not really like Dallas Goddard, I love significantly more. There's a few of those guys like Anthony Fergser, Johnny Smith, um, that are tight ends like 13 through 16 that I'd almost rather have as opposed to investing a high pick in Logan Thomas. But at least the three year extension is a good deal for him, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just another noteworthy item of the day. Look, again, looking now, let's go back to AVP, guys. I want to compare. Uh, Noah Fance, right at one ahead of Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is at nine. I agree with that. I'd have pant over Thomas. Uh, Thomas is ahead of Higby and Tanyan, but Tanyan could be sneaking into that top ten with Rodgers back. That's a guy that we didn't hit in the lead of the show. So, uh, you know, right around tight end ten, which is borderline tight end one. Um, I'm not necessarily drinking the Kool-Aid yet. I'll have him, but it has to be at a fair price.
1: No open competition in San Francisco. It seems that Jimmy Garoppolo is set to be the starter. He's beginning beginning camp, at least, with the starters. And I and I think we talked about last week, I have far too many friends that are Rams. I also have far too many 49ers fans for as many times as the 49ers have decimated my playoff hopes as a Packers fan. Um, and, and the surrounding or prevailing thought from all those guys is Garoppolo will be here this year for certain. It's next year. Are they going to trade him with the Patriots? That that really is the only likely conclusion that seems to be drawn. And, and I agree, that kind of seems like a possibility. But for this season alone, it's Trey Lance, So they drafted number three overall as the backup, and it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, the starter. And especially in deeper best ball leagues, like I've done a few of those 30 round best ball leagues in the NFFC formats. Garoppolo is going in like round 20 or 21. And that's after Lance. That's after Justin Fields, who I think is going to have a bit of a slower start to his career with the Bears. Uh, and a few of those other guys, I think Garoppolo makes complete sense in, in your two QB leagues, uh, especially if we know he will be the starter and will be the starter all season long. Do you agree with me, though, that he's going to be the starter for most of the season?
2: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I generally respect the franchise, um, and I think the 49ers <laughs> are, are mostly you know a smart franchise, and smart franchises sit their rookie quarterbacks their first year. They're not going to draft Justin Fields and make him set un- hot, uh, unruly expectations of taking them to the playoffs. Uh, you know, the most successful quarterbacks often have to sit for a good part of the first year. Now, and that's a huge blanket statement. Uh, you know, we're doing this show live on YouTube, and you could probably pick apart a couple examples to the other otherwise. But, no, I'm just saying that uh, it's best for him to sit down a year and learn, as is best for the vast majority of quarterbacks here. And, sure, in that case, Garoppolo, he's not a guy you're really touching in your 12-team redraft leagues. But when we get into specific formats, uh, if you went in with QB2, um, I couldn't really blame you for it.
1: A couple of other injury-related news that we saw come today as we're doing the podcast here on a Tuesday. Cortland Sutton is expected to be close to 100% 100 already as Denver kicks off their training camp and likely will be a participant in at least one of the three preseason games this season. That's great news. Obviously, Sutton missed uh, almost all of last season with the torn knee. Um, I think it was like ACL and MCL. It was one of those really bad ones, certainly ACL. Uh, I, I like Sutton because you could buy low in a dynasty format. I haven't done a redraft where I've been super excited to get Sutton. The end of the issue ends up being drew lock or Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback, but the pass catchers, the Broncos have, whether it be Jerry Judy, uh, Tim Patrick certainly came around. You mentioned, uh, Noah Fant as well too. And then, uh, Hamler on top of that KJ Hamler. I love all those guys. I think that actually makes Sutton a little bit less valuable than he was two years ago when he was one of the more emerging young wide receivers in the NFL.
2: Yeah, and like I said, I love Noah Fant, too, and I think he's going to be one of my higher-rostered players once I get, you know, a, a bigger sampling of drafts inside and ready to go. So that's tough, but I do agree. Last year, if you're taking Cortland Sutton in the second, third round, you're buying at his absolute top price. And, yeah, you got to counter him coming back from an ACL injury, but at 25, your limbs can just snap right into place, right back into place. That's how that works, right? Um, but, no, if he's, if he's ready already, um, I remember seeing him, you know, the eye test for sure individually he passes the eye test he makes some phenomenal catches out there but there are questions about pass catching competition and overall level of quarterback play but the whole drew lock situation is not going to make me shy off no fan probably not going to make me shy off uh Corlin sutton if he comes up in that area adp 76 so hopefully that gives you a good frame of reference dj shark right ahead of him uh, raheem moster matt staffer robbie anderson right behind him
1: Uh, Curtis Samuel was placed in the pup list to start training camp for Washington. That's obviously one of their big ticket free agent signings. And and Curtis Samuel will add a lot of flexibility to the offense, probably in a better way than JD McKissick did last year. But if he's injured in any way, that's interesting because a lot of people have been pushing up Samuel, maybe rightfully so, as more or less a sleeper. I know us in the fantasy community hate using that word because at this point with all the knowledge that's out there, the 24-7 news cycle you mentioned like with Rodgers, but really the, the weekly editions of podcasts much like these throughout the entire offseason.
2: That's a great rant on that. There's no such thing as a sleeper anymore, right? Exactly. Football, everybody knows the player pool well enough. Like you said, there's enough information out there. Um, you know, It's really it's more bold to call busts for your bust columns than your sleeper.
1: I would say Samuel would be listed among many of the sleepers that other companies might do out there. But if he's going to be missing from a training camp, are you worried at all based off his ADP and what that role could look like? Especially, you'd imagine the learning curve that has to happen. Again, he was doing carries out of the backfield for Carolina last season. Not that Washington's going to be doing that this year, but the the idea, or that's one of the reasons why you're offering him such a big deal in the off season, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's, I don't know, there's a lot... A lot of variables going on here and uh of course you have scary terry as the unquestioned target leader how much do you buy the, uh, the the logan thomas hype so you're right and i think antonio gibson will catch his fair fair passes too right now samuel adp wise we're looking at uh, below the likes of will fuller and debo samuel just ahead of the likes of uh, marquise brown lavisca Chenault, brandon cooks those kinds of players here so I don't know. I think the market will react a little bit to it, but, uh, you know, I'm willing to give it a couple of preseason games to see if he can maybe get into one of those in action. I don't know if we have an exact return date on him, but uh, just because of the way he relies on his pure athleticism so much, um, I'd like to see some kind of sign that he's healthy, at least back on the practice field before I overpay for him, at least.
1: I'm I'm right there with you. And this one was just hot off the press. Not that many people are going to care about, but Justin Jackson, the backup or third-string backup for the Chargers, was placed on the COVID reserve COVID-19 list. Um, Obviously, it's different than it has been in past years, and maybe he's able to go ahead and play before the end of the preseason. But this was a running back that I don't think people realized was going to be the backup. I think this was a a shoe-in, absolute layup, going to be the backup over Joshua Kelly, the fourth-round pick last year for the Chargers, behind Austin Eckler. Now, if that uh, if he ends up missing time, and significant time at that, Justin Jackson, we're going to see a situation where Kelly, who was the more highly drafted one, will maybe earn his spot in there. It's not like this coaching staff drafted Joshua Kelly last year that everything's been changed around with the Chargers I have been saying for a while Justin Jackson was going to be the backup this might be a bigger deal uh, than many people might imagine right now if Jackson's to miss some time so just mentioning that for anybody out there anyone cares about their Chargers backups there you go
2: I was going to say I don't really have a take on this I'm going to leave Chargers backups to you Joe you're the expert on that
1: I figured that was gonna be the case. So uh, let's get a word from our sponsors, Dynasty Owner, before we really get into the meat of the podcast here. Are you tired of the same old fantasy football leagues that get canceled after every year or so? If if you are interested, or you are sick of that stuff, I should say, Dynasty Owner has got your back. Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. Dynasty owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty owner adds a whole new level of strategy. I'm in that league. Jerry Donabedian's in a dynasty owner league. I've been enjoying it. Unfortunately, I have Michael Thomas and Amari Cooper. So we're already possibly set back for this year, but I'm looking forward to trying to build up the rest of the team. Are you worried you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league? Well, don't worry, because dynasty owner can help fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can actually choose to start a league, join an existing one, or purchase a team from a previous owner. And if you're uh, serious about joining the big leagues, go to dynastyowner.com. And start your dynasty today. Again, I've been enjoying that format. I took, I think it was six out of the like Roto experts that participated last year and uh, I had a lot of fun with that. So it, it, one of those leagues definitely want to check out, uh, definitely friend of the podcast, but I've had a good time with it, personal experience. All right. So the podcast we talked about really the the topic where we went over all the news and notes that happened the last two days was some do's and don'ts that you should do or don't for your fantasy football drafts. Now, as you can see behind Jake's left shoulder, if you're watching on YouTube, the fantasy football magazine for the new year has come in. Uh, You can certainly get one of those yourselves. If you are subscribed to the site, Uh, I don't know if there's even going to be that many at the stores locally. Normally there's a ton.
2: I'll say we are doing newsstands this year. Okay. Um, Of course, uh, you can also go to rotowire.com. You can get slash magazine and purchase the magazine there. We'll also give you a digital download if you contact support. And uh, if you're a RotoWire subscriber already, you can go and purchase the magazine at a discounted rate. I believe it's three or four bucks cheaper. So, a lot of different packages to uh, pick from, but we're ready to roll here with the magazine.
1: Yeah, with the magazine here, that really is like the official start of fantasy football season. Not that it hasn't been starting for me, and I know probably for you, like a couple of weeks back or even longer. Uh, but for people that are really just getting back into fantasy football, we go over all these news and notes. Great. A lot of people, are, I think, are learning and trying to get an understanding of how to be successful. I mean, that's why you listen to these podcasts or you're just crazy and enjoy listening to our voices as much as you do, which is great. I'm not going to knock you for that. I, there's, there's a couple of things that I've learned throughout my years of being a, a football expert, baseball expert. And certainly Jake, I think you can say the same thing. What helps to be successful? Not that it's going to always guarantee to win uh, or anything like that. Certainly you know, injuries happen, everything else like that. But these are some tips and tricks that I've learned and that you've learned Jake throughout our experience that I think give a baseline that is higher than your average newcomer jumping jumping in. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah. You know, some of these are going to be pretty basic. So I'll start out with number one here in a second, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this. I think I played my first fantasy football league in second grade. Second grade. This, wow. Second grade. We did a four man league. It was glorious. <laughs> we saw our, we saw our dads do it. So we just, we had to keep rolling. I think Ron Dayen was taken in that year, you know, former Badger. Great. But, uh Anyway, when starting off with the principles of, you know, do's and don'ts for fantasy leagues, uh, I like to go back to a uh, – so DJ, our media director, and I used to try to do some recruiting at, at UW campus nearby. And a lot of people a – you'd open it up for questions at the end, and a lot of people would ask, like, what's the one best thing you can do to be more successful at fantasy? And obviously that question has a million different responses for every different fantasy game and all this stuff. But when I – But what we agreed to kind of narrow that answer down to was and that's going to be my number one fantasy football do is carefully read over your league scoring and roster settings. You know, we're going to give you a bunch of other rules in this uh, in this whole list of uh, for the whole rest of the show. But there are always exceptions to those rules and the exceptions always result are, are a result of your roster settings. Is it a two quarterback league? Is it, you know, zero or full PPR? What are the defensive scorings what are your flex roster settings specifically we're going to talk about this uh you know so many different things but like the slightest rule change can make you have to go from your standard search and cheat sheet that you can google up and just have or just going by the cheat sheet in your draft room um to a very very different cheat sheet with a very very different strategy and keeper league and keeper league rules affect that very much um just the roster settings alone two quarterback versus non-two quarterback Um, there are so many things that, you know, if you just go and find a cheat sheet that's customized for your league scoring, as opposed to the generic one, you're going to be leaps and bounds ahead of the people that do not do that in your league. And that's the first thing you should do when you're joining a football league for the first time, look at your league settings. Most league hosting pages have this easy and compare it to the default and see, make note of anything that's different.
1: I completely agree. Uh, I get that same question a lot. I do a lot of those weekly radio hits for Rotowire throughout the season. And now I actually am doing that current that you mentioned where we're going to recruit different new members for interns and things like that. And I say the same thing. Uh, knowing the rules is huge. And, and I'm not saying you need to have the rules printed out right next to you as you're going through the draft. Maybe if you are doing it online, I, I would say suggest that, or at least what's the roster requirements? I, like It's as simple as that. What, what do you want for your starting lineup? How many people can you have? I think that helps map out what you want to do in that initial draft but just knowing the rules and the scoring system I don't I mean there's just not enough people that do that and I, fantasy football is fun right that that's the most played fantasy sport by far across the country um And millions and millions of new people are playing every single year. And it's because it's really easy and you don't have to know as much as we want to be experts here and pretend we're high and mighty more than everyone else. You don't have to know a substantial amount of knowledge or information to be successful. But I do think this separates from the top, other than maybe the beginners luck guys that you have to deal with knowing those rules, knowing how to navigate your league and what works best for your system is huge. And it's the first rule because Every other rule builds off the top of it, builds on top of it. For example, the next do, and, and you have this in our, our, our uh, cheat sheet. But I completely agree. You want to compare your cheat sheets and adjust projections accordingly based off of those scores and rule sets and and the, the the league stuff that you have. It's completely different the custom rankings that we might have compared to how your league operates. And I don't think enough people understand that
2: yeah exactly now you know in a perfect world everyone goes to rotowire downloads you know our our products and uh enters their scoring settings in to give you custom rankings uh but in the end you know most people are are googling or figuring out one way or another to get their cheat sheet and you can get a generic uh half point ppr full point ppr zero ppr cheat sheet for free if you just google that most in most places out there once we get to more complex scoring it looks fine but even if you're in a 12 team standard scoring, you know, one of the original traditional basic fantasy football things, you're going to find different cheat sheets all over the place. And then you're also going to look at an ADP set. You know, I refer to that a lot just to give our listeners a frame of reference when we're talking to a player where they're going, but you're going to compare a cheat sheet to an ADP set and you're going to see a lot of differences. And you know, I do this in baseball too. So hopefully it helps across sports. The one thing I do is I take you know our roto wire projections and our cheat sheets and you know for auction values, or you can do it for your snake graphs too, and I compare it to a few other trusted sources and ADP, and then I find the outliers, and then I look at those outliers specifically, compare them to one another, see if I can read a couple outlooks, a couple notes on them, and then kind of form my own opinion. And a lot of the draft kit products that are out there these days allow you to adjust projections and have the cheat sheets reflected accordingly. And you might be thinking, hmm. You know, one team, you know, one source has Najee Harris at eight overall. One source has Najee Harris at 18 overall in their cheat sheet. So now you got to go ahead and look. Okay, well, the one source hasn't projected for 13 touchdowns, and the other one only hasn't projected for nine touchdowns. You know, on some of our products and what I like to do, uh, or if you're, you know, crafty at Excel, you know, you can change the projection to whichever one you agree with more, and then he'll move up or down on your cheat sheet. Based on what you think that that projection will be, so you know we've got all the tools for that on RotoWire.com to help you out with that. And uh, critical thinking is, you know, in anything in life, but definitely in fantasy football. uh, There's no, there's no quick, easy, magic fix here. You know, you have to form your opinion on these players, and uh, hopefully, we offer you all the tools that you might need to do that.
1: I have more to add with the cheat sheets and adjusting projections and everything else that you mentioned, but it's actually (laughs) all. kind of gonna be a part of our our don't as well. So I'll save my rant until that point. Let's move over to another one of the do's. Uh, and it's I think I'll let you I'll let you have it because I, I have a little bit differing of a take on it. So I'll let you go ahead and, and discuss one of the things that you think is important to do for this finish football season.
2: Yes let's get into a little more controversial one. One of the bullet points I put down is like if you're snake drafting, I say that you need to draft at least two running backs in the first four rounds. Uh, I know a few years ago, you know, some of our some of our guys here started kind of coining the zero RB strategy where you would hunt on running backs, take receivers in your first two picks, maybe grab a quarterback, maybe grab a, uh, a tight end. Um, but personally, I think that strategy is something that we're going away from and maybe dead moving forward anyway. And the reason I have for that is there are just too many running backs by committee committee finding. Number one overall, three down backs is the rarest thing in fantasy. There's only nine or 10 of them, maybe, and you're really going to get stuck if you miss on those first two rounds. You know, if you take, you know, I don't mind Kelsey, you know, late second, early first, I guess. But if you take him, if you decide your first two rounds you're gonna take Kelsey Mahomes, and then you think, um, oh, maybe I better take a receiver here, you're out on running backs, you're out on the top tier of running backs, and it's really gonna hurt you. I'd say go as far. You have to let every draft come to you to some degree, but in general, at most draft picks, your rule of thumb, you wanna get two running backs in in those first four rounds. Because after I mean, after Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, Joe Mixon Edward Zolaire, you know, after RB16, we start to run into some really risky, maybe committee type guys, at least players that have uh, threats, you know, in front of them. I mean, 22 and 23 are in ADP right now, Travis Etienne and uh, James Robinson, and they're on the same team, right? So you get past that and 24 is Kareem Hunt. Guess what? He's on Nick Chubb's team. So you're going to start getting into some really risky, risky scenarios once you, you know, if you get to the fifth round and you don't have two running backs already in hand, and uh, that's why I put that as a general rule of thumb.
1: I agree that you need at least one running back in the first two, maybe the first three rounds. I'll concede on that front, but we just talked about Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, were two guys that more or less are locked into their starter roles right now. It can change. And if I'm the front office, of the Falcons or Dolphins for that matter, I'm calling Jacksonville up right now and trying to get James Robinson for a fourth or fifth round pick as the guy. And maybe that takes away one of those options. But there's enough value a little bit later on. And you can go even to something like a Chris Carson, who falls past Miles Gaskin, or Kareem Hunt, certainly in the PPR league, is that same type of value. Chase Edmonds, people are high on for some reason. Uh, I'm not super high on, but that's another name out there. I don't think you have to lock yourself in drafting two running backs in the top four rounds. But I do think you need at least one stud guy within those first three. And I'm taking either in round one or two, personally, because I think I have the knowledge and depth to draft wide receivers a little bit later. I don't need these top-end guys to be successful. I do think I need at least top one top-end running back. So that's where I'll, I'll concede a little bit to your point, but I'm not willing to give away completely. I mean, yeah,
2: there's a reason that two out of the top first round, there are only two, three players are not running backs. They continue to be the most important position in, average, in the majority of average fantasy football leagues here. And if you're just starting out, you want to make sure – you have that position covered. it's a lot tougher to replace on the waiver wire as well
1: do you want to give the final do as well uh i'll yes. just toss you on that one
2: yeah for sure uh so the other one you know it's kind of related to the cheat sheet construction and the scoring roster settings but i do think uh it is time in the year 2021 <laughs> it is time to go digital here now the magazine i just showed is an excellent tool it is a great thing to have you know in your magazine racket in your bathroom or in your waiting room for example on your coffee table it's great to have that at the you know at arm's reach and be able to read player outlooks that's one of the best things I think you can do as far as early July when your draft might be a few weeks or a month away start reading player outlooks get familiar like we did last week uh, who's who's changing teams um you know who's projected to start where what are the big camp battles and adp battles i have to watch for so all that good stuff is great in the magazine and there's a bunch of excellent uh individual strategy articles but when it comes time to your draft in mid to late august hopefully you kind of need to go digital because you don't want to be the guy that drags a magazine that was printed six weeks ago to the draft and are relying on that and end up drafting cam Akers or something like that now maybe you'll see that in your draft room a lot of a lot of uh rooms are getting better you know of course at that especially if they get data from rotowire you know we'll catch you up on all the latest injury situations here but you got to go digital and um, a few things along with that you know you want to update your player data on that device make sure you're getting the latest news if you're using a, a rotowire app you know pc software mac software web-based software um you know ios app you know all these things that we offer we can update your data and you'll be set to go um so that's important um Usually sometimes you want to have a backup device if you're worried that technology is going to fail or at least a backup charger. Maybe you forget your charger, bring another one. But there are so many digital options right now that the days of paper, paper drafting and fantasy are just about dead, probably should be dead if they're not dead already.
1: I love the the paper magazine, though. If only because I can have it in my hand. It's a great thing uh, to keep. I, I've personally enjoyed having my name in there maybe that's probably part of it i'm I'm selfishly enjoying it but you're right well i think it's a good thing to get you started preparing for the fantasy season and that's that's the best way to put it but for the most part right let's move digital and i'll even add saying can i have a second ipad a second computer screen Um, at bare minimum, I want to have the magazine so I can cross off things and also have the computer to look up stuff while I'm drafting, whether that's, uh, in person with people or online, I want multiple screens at my disposal. So I have a little more flexibility when looking for stuff.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. I'm right there with you. And I mean, today's devices and and apps are so advanced that you can do the crossing off on that app and it's super easy. You can just swipe the player left or right and we've got you covered. So there's really no excuse to not. At least try digital and you'll, you'll,
3: your strategy will be changed.
1: Moving forward. All right. So, those are the dues that you want to do heading into your fantasy football season and your draft in particular. I imagine um, this is something that you could see on our. RotoWire, Snapchats out there, things like that. in that Snapchat, Uh, no. What's the one TikTok? I was gonna say, what does the one all the kids do? I'm 28. I can't say that. Uh, You can see that, like RotoWire TikTok, things like that, where uh, we're kind of getting prepared for the fantasy season in the same type of tone. There's a few things that you shouldn't do to be successful at fantasy football in your league, uh, and I think one of them is scheduling your draft too early. We just saw with the Cam Makers news, Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper. We've gone over a number of names, and we're going to continue to go over a number of names who have been injured or something else like that, uh, and it could drastically affect how you're doing things. We don't even know what's going to happen for the starting rosters from the preseason perspective. All this to say, if you schedule your draft towards the end of August, even in that first week of September if you have to, that's probably the best spot to be successful, have everyone engaged throughout the entire season and to avoid some of those pitfalls that you mentioned, Jake, where maybe you could drafted Cam Akers on accident because you weren't paying attention, that's the best way to avoid it by scheduling your draft towards the end of August.
2: Yeah, not everyone's gonna be like us and end up with 10, 12, 15 fantasy leagues by the time the season begins here. And uh, you know, in our position, okay, we can forget about that early July draft. But if it's your only fantasy league and you drafted Cam Akers last week, that's a huge bummer and it's gonna be real tough. Stay into it for the entirety of the, of the draft season. So definitely uh, get at least through three preseason games, if at all possible. That's my biggest tip for commissioners. Uh,
1: another don't, and I I completely agree. You put this on in our on our spreadsheet, but obviously, don't adhere stri- strictly to a site's listed auction value. Now we talked about auction drafts last year we gave a whole big breakdown you could probably google it rotowire auction draft podcast or something like that uh and it'll be jake and joe talking about the strategy behind it and i maybe you we'll end up doing that this year i'm not quite sure then we can plan those podcasts down the road um but at this time the like, the idea of just holding true to exactly what your site or whatever else says for the monetary perspective i think Is incorrect. Like, you need to be flexible with how you're doing auction drafts and how you're planning financially for your leagues. You can't just rely on whatever site, whether it be RotoWires or else, to make those uh, decisions moving forward. It'd be great. Like, I mean, we'd love to automate a draft for you. It doesn't quite work that way. That's why you're doing a draft with other humans and not robots, right, Jake?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, I get surprised, you know, if I see like customer service complaints, like, why are your auction values so different? than auction value y for a different site if you're comparing them to a default one as a custom one of course they're going to be different also uh one favorite phrase i used to have is i call it like pirate's code now maybe i'm dating myself with johnny Depp and pirates of the caribbean that movie we came out a while now i know they put out a million sequels but anyway they're not rules they're more like guidelines anyway any site's <laughs> auction draft that you do it's pirate's code because you might see, you know, you might have Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara all projected, say, 61 to $70, right? But people in your league are going to come out, and they're going to spend, you know, $85 on them. And then you have to adapt mid-draft to be like, okay, well, this money's going this way. If I don't actually overspend for one of these players, I'm going to get stuck with a team of guys – from the fifth through eighth round and maybe i'll have the most balanced team ever but without studs you can't win in fantasy football you need those guys that'll uh take you over the top and that's just one of the many uh small auction draft tips like you said we can do a whole show on that
1: absolutely i want to get uh you you did some really insightful knowledge at least on one particular but before we do that let's get a word from our sponsors Okay, so you talked about don't draft a quarterback in round one, and we were discussing this off-air, and I think it's really important. You put in a little bit of uh, math work on this, and for a guy that is awful at math like myself, you can see on the YouTube stream pointing directly at my head because I'm terrible, this is great. And I loved what you were able to do, at least in reaffirming the idea, do not draft a quarterback in round one of any one of your leagues.
2: Yeah, you know, and this is another thing that I get asked on, you know, when we do outside radio a lot, like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is the number one fantasy scorer. Why isn't he the number one pick? And, uh, you know, anyone that's experienced enough in fantasy knows the reason for that. It's because of positional scarcity and, you know, and different tiers. You know, the drop off from the drop off between QB six and QB 10 is never as great as it is but between, you know, RB 10 and RB 14 however you want to do that but you know just looking at the data i I went before this and i compared consensus adp from fantasy football calculator.com to fantasy scoring overall and 2016 or 2017 through 2020 um not a single time has the number one fantasy scorer been in the top 10 of quarterback adp not a single time 2017 was russell wilson 2018 was the patrick mahomes breakout 2019 lamar jackson and 2020 was josh allen never in any of those four years was a top 10 quarterback and uh even better the number one now some of this was due to injuries but the number one adp average drafted quarterbacks in the last four years has finished fourth in scoring has finished eighth in scoring has finished sixth and has figured finished 29th due to injury here so rarely when you make that first round quarterback move does has it paid off at least in the last four years and last but not least Last season, 2020, was actually a pretty good year uh, because seven of the top 10 ADP quarterbacks actually finished in the top 10 ADP fantasy points. But the three years before that, it was only five of 10 here. So you can get a serviceable fantasy quarterback in rounds eight, sometimes much even further down the road. Now, again, it all comes back to your scoring format here. If you're you're in a two-quarterback league, Obviously, these rules changed entirely. Throw out everything I just said. You need to get your quarterbacks right away. Super Flex League is the same way. But uh, that's the shortest and most concise way I can put it. Don't bother with a quarterback in round one. Probably don't even bother with a quarterback in the first four rounds, but definitely want to stay away from that top quarterback. Now, maybe Patrick Mahomes will go out and throw 50 touchdowns and have it be his first fully healthy season since he did lead the league in fantasy scoring back in 2018. But the opportunity cost of draft, drafting Patrick Mahomes in the first round is just way, way too great. You're going to hurt yourself at another skill position that you need to uh, that you need to succeed. So, there's my rant on drafting quarterbacks. I'll say something similar every single year. I think that's a principle of fantasy that it's never going to change until super flex leagues get widely adopted.
1: Well, and Justin Herbert's a perfect example too. You mentioned Josh Allen uh, was outside the top ten now. Pretty much a, an easy dunk with that one. Justin Herbert along the same light. And, and Herbert was available when I mean, we do the free agent wire, waiver wire podcast every season. Justin Herbert was widely available, and it was like until week two or three when he actually started, when he lit up the Chiefs. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor had the unfortunate medical issue with the Chargers. Then it became Herbert was the starter, and then it became Herbert is a top 10 guaranteed scorer every single week. So I, it's that's a type of deal that I think you have to just – I completely agree with you. You have to be rec- uh, recognizing that it's not drafted quarterback in round because they're round 1 because there's value to be found elsewhere. You mentioned Mahomes in 2018, Lamar in 2019. I took Patrick Mahomes in our Rotowire Vegas League. He won me that league. I took Lamar Jackson in number of leagues in 2019 and I have numerous radio cons saying, "Take Lamar Jackson. He's going to be good value outside the top 10." Everyone could say, "Oh yeah, well you could have done that." I did. I mean, the, this wasn't hard to see. We can't necessarily guess all the time who is going to be the Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen of every year, but we can guarantee there will be one of those guys each season. And I think this uh, further validates the proof that you mentioned, at least with the the money stuff. So let's move on, or money stuff, <laughs> with the data that you provide. Let's move on to another don't. Um, and I completely agree with you on this, Mobile. Let's take it away when it comes to kickers.
2: All right. So kickers, you know, I know there's some people affiliated with the site that like to maybe stretch a little bit for Justin Tucker and you can listen to listen to their arguments uh, for that. But I am firmly in every kind of snake draft or even auction draft you can apply this in is you don't take a kicker till your very last pick, because honestly, it doesn't matter. The difference between place kicker eight and place kicker 18 is often uh, negligible. And if you listen to our waiver wire podcasts all year long, we'll be able to maybe even help you stream kickers a little bit. But even better than not taking a kicker until your last pick, if your league allows it, again, goes into your in your scoring format. If your league allows it, don't take one at all. You know, if you're still using kickers, you don't necessarily need one unless it's it. the exception would, of course, be if your drafts like the day before the season starts. But if you're drafting tomorrow, why take a kicker? Why don't you take another sleeper? that you could see maybe could get themselves into a better situation. Take a running back, receiver, sleeper, someone whose stock could improve, um, and then go ahead and make that roster decision of who you're going to cut in advance of week one uh, and and, and get yourself another sleeper on your team. I've done that in every single league that allows me to do that and just added a kicker prior to week one. Of course, it depends on what kind of manager you are, too. If you need to be active on the waiver wire, hopefully you're listening to us and are getting some help with that. But I'm a big fan of kickers at the end. Let's face it, I'm a big fan of eliminate kickers from fantasy altogether, but if your league's going to go with the standard scoring roster settings on most sites, you're going to have to deal with kickers. I prefer ignoring them until I have to.
1: Yeah, I get the kicker question all the time when I do my radio hits, too. Shout out um, to the uh, the The guys over in Syracuse, the man child show where they keep asking me, oh, should I draft a kicker in round eight? No, stop. I don't I don't want to hear it. Don't don't be that person. This is this is my biggest rant, I think. And again, probably makes for a better TikTok than a podcast. Don't be that guy that says, oh, I got my two running backs. Now I need my three wide receivers, a tight end quarterback. Oh, now I need kicker and defense. You have to be able to read the draft better, whether it be your league mates or the ADP the software that you're drafting on. It's not going to recommend, and if it does, you're not drafting in the right place, to fill out your full lineup. You can get bench guys. You can get trade assets for other people. You do not need to take a kicker in rounds 8, 9, 10, or 11. I don't care if it's Justin Tucker. I don't care if it's a combination of Tucker, Adam Vinatieri, and the waterboy guy who just is insane and can kick from 60 yards out. It does not matter. You can find actionable kickers later on, And still get really valuable depth pieces on your bench at different portions throughout that later draft, right? That rounds 9 through 12, 13, 14. I will consider taking a kicker like two or three rounds before. But any point before then, I think you are dumb for doing it. And I do not care if I'm insulting somebody. I think it's just ridiculous because the value you're getting is not that big.
2: And I know a lot of our more you know advanced experience listeners are probably going to be like, well, duh, why are you guys even talking about this if they're even still tuned in? But like you said, Joe, you seem to get that question every year. I get that question every year. Analyst types, uh, whether they're doing an AMA or a quick hit or a guest show on a non-fantasy specific show, some people will like to have you know the fantasy episode, and you know they want to ask those questions here. It still needs to be said, so I'm glad we're covering it.
1: The last one, and and this is really I thought building off of one of our dues don't be the guy who relies too heavily on the ADP or the average auction value. And I, and it, it just bears repeating. There are different sites out there. And if you are drafting on, say, ESPN, a player might be higher based off of their average draft or their ADP platform than Yahoo. And that goes back to, Learn your league setting or learn your league rules, but also learn the leagues that you're drafting on because that's going to be a major difference. I would go ahead and click on the ESPN value, especially if we're doing a snake draft, and see where their ADP is. And if you have to move up a player higher in your tier rankings to adjust for that, do that. The same thing goes for Yahoo or other places like that. But don't be a slave to drafting just based off the ADP. I think that's a massive mistake. Uh, And far too many smart people tend to do that that I see in this industry.
2: We're using ADP on this show a lot just as a frame of reference for players, you know, as we start to kind of get our toes wet into this fantasy season. But there is a time and a place for ADP, and there's a time and a place where you shouldn't even touch it. The time and the place for it is, okay, I have self-determined the sleepers that I want to take, the guys that I'm going to target in drafts. What you will do then is use ADP to kind of determine where you'll be able to take them. So, like, you might have a player ranked as your 35th overall player, but if ADP has them at 75, you can probably wait until the fifth, maybe sixth round to take them. You know That's what you use ADP for. You do not use ADP as a cheat sheet. And part of the reason is, like you said, so many ADP sources out there, and it's very rare, especially if your league has unique scoring rules, to find mm-hmm. one that perfectly adapts to it. So what you can do is you can find a site that lets you, uh, lets you choose ADP by date. There are plenty of them out there. Um, and then you, from there, you need to find one that not only lets you pick by date so you can get the last couple weeks to most recent month of ADP data. So you're not grabbing ADP data from March, April, May, you know, so you're not getting that. You find a site that takes your last couple of months or your last couple of weeks, even close to your scoring system as possible, and use that as a rough guideline as to where you're going to have to take those players. And, you know, honestly, using your, your league hosting sites, default draft room, right. Might help you execute the same purpose either. It's to determine not necessarily when to take players, but when you'll have to take players, especially players that you value more than the rest of the field. So that's the role of it. It's not your cheat sheet. Some people think, well, there's been 10, there's been a million mock drafts on this site. They're going to have an ADP. Let's just do what the public does. The public is wrong, guys. Newsflash here. Uh, so, again, time and a place for it, not as your cheat sheet.
1: Yeah. I completely agree. So that does it for us on the like the dos and don'ts um, for your fantasy drafts. And again, I really could see this being a great to wire TikTok forum. So you could see one of our ugly mugs going ahead and breaking the same thing down on a few of our other newer social channels. But I thought this would be a good entry point for a lot of people just getting into fantasy football right now. Uh, I, I think that really is a great barometer for us, and what we try to do is get new people involved in fantasy football and, and kind of getting them thinking the way experts do now maybe they have different opinions on players than we might, which is great. But at least you can have the same type of knowledge that we believe can make you successful uh, and, and put you in a good spot to be able to win. And I guess our te- our taglines always dominate our fantasy leagues. I think that's our goal for this podcast. So I appreciate you guys tuning in again. If you want a free subscription to the site, or at least to for a 10 day trial, you can go to run slash try it's on the YouTube screen right down there. Exactly. Uh, and it would be great. Always. If you can rate and review the podcast, um, and help us out. Of course, this possible, podcast was sponsored by WinBet as well. And we'll be back next week to give you another little indicator for some of those new guys in fantasy football to get you more comfortable. So th- thank you for listening, everyone.
3: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.